Alright, y'all, happy Thanksgiving. I don't know when y'all gonna hear this, but to the people that celebrated, happy Thanksgiving. Everybody else, happy Turkey Day. Um, little NBA trivia just to get the season started, but... Oh, I like this. If you could guess the top 10 in scoring average right now, the top 10, who do you think is the top 10 in scoring average? You top have 10? To, you didn't have to give me numbers, just the top 10. Players. Okay. I know the top two. Embiid, Kevin Durant. Okay. Uh. Okay, my bad. Here we go. Embiid, Kevin Durant, Luca. Okay, that's three. Um, Shea Gilders Alexander. That's four. Uh, Cam Thomas. No. He probably won't even qualify. The, he is in the top fifteen though. Okay. Uh, Steph Curry. My bad, Steph. Yep. Um, um, Jason Tatum. Yep. Um, Giannis. Yep. Um, that's seven. Uh, uh, hold on. Hey, who am I forgetting? Booker. Yeah. Devin Booker. Yeah. That's eight. These last two is kind of getting me because I want to say LeBron, but no, LeBron's only averaging like 25. Yeah, LeBron averaging 25. So, is, is LeBron on that? No, that's not LeBron. Okay. Not top 10. Say, not LeBron. He's in the top 15, though. Um, uh, who am I missing? Let's say you got eight of the 10. I got eight of the 10. Hold on before I give up. Hold on, hold on. Give me another second. I'm like, it's somebody that should be coming to mind that isn't. I said Luca. Say so you got Embiid, you got Katie, you got Luca, you got Steph, you got Giannis, you got Shea, you got Book, and you got Jason Taylor. Donovan Mitchell. Yep. Shout out to Donovan. Nice right, spider. That's nine. And number ten. All right, I don't know. Give it to me. Pause. All right, so in order, in the top ten of scoring, you got. Joel Embiid, and KD, Luca, Steph, Giannis, De'Aaron Fox. My bad, Swiper. Uh, Shake Gilders, Alexander, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, and Jason Tatum. And that's in order. Wow. De'Aaron is a little higher than I would have guessed, so shout out to Swiper. But I should have known that he was there. No, yeah, him and, um, him and Shea is basically at the same, like, 29.5 or something like that. Oh, wow. See, I am. He was doing that. Yeah, he's, that's what's no, up. No, my bad. That's pretty. It was 26.9. Um, it was four players averaging 30. KD, MB, Luka, uh, Luka Steph. Steph. Steph, the only player in the top 10 in scoring with a negative plus minus. That's because his teammates suck. Oh, yeah. I, want, I ain't putting that on Steph. <laughs> I'm putting that on the rest of his team. But are any of those names surprising? Of course, you didn't guess the Aaron Fox at the end. That's the only one that got you. But just looking at the landscape of the NBA – and how a lot of teams are running their offenses, especially these are all basically successful teams outside of uh, Steph and Golden State, who was in 10th place the last time I looked. Are you surprised about any of these names? And not even surprised about De'Aaron, but when I thought top 10, I will be honest, he wasn't one of the first people that came to mind um, when I was thinking of top 10 scores. So I would say no. I would say that list seems pretty fluid. Uh, it, those are people that I would guess would be there, but – De'Aaron would have been the toughest person to sit there, for sure. No, for I just sure. think it's interesting every year, you know, it's clear who the best two scorers are in the NBA, though, with because every year people start off high and this and that happens. But B is one of these last two, and when he's healthy, KD's averaging 30. That's how, that's how it is. Those are the best two scorers, really. I'm about to say something real crazy right now. But these are the best scorers in the last, like, 10 years in the NBA. And you got to put Steph there, too. You, you always acknowledge Steph as a scorer. Steph on the court is 30 also. But, like, these are two of the best scorers of the last 10 years in the no, NBA. Sure. Maybe maybe a little further than that, but, like, yeah. 
Especially yeah. this will put MB. This will put him at number three. We don't talked about this before. That puts you at rare air if you get that number three yeah, scoring title. So getting you know. three and four is tough. So yeah, KD got four of them things, and he ain't won one in ten years. Nah, right. Like those. That's another one of those things. Like you always speak on before you get that Charles. Uh, it's like the MVP and scoring titles. Like you don't just go five, six years without winning another. Not saying you can't, but you usually win those that are close, right? Close range because that's what. Not necessarily that's what you're focused on, but that's what. That's what you win is it, like. That's kind of a competitive edge to a lot of people. Like, I won a scoring title last year. I want to win it again. Like, some people want to do want to defend a scoring title. Some people do want to win two MVPs in three years, back to back MVPs, stuff like that. So, and even that's I think that's even how a lot of media judges it as well. Like, when it comes to MVP, not necessarily the scoring title, because you got to go out there and win that. But it's like, are you really as good in this? You know, have you been good these last five years as you was in that stretch where you were winning them? And I even go to a player like uh, like Steph, who was recently top three in MVP. Um, but it's like he can't climb that ladder to win it again because it's like yeah, yeah, do what you did before, right? Exactly, so. and that's just and I think that's what it comes down to, and not necessarily voter fatigue and all that other stuff. It's like, are you really doing what you were doing at that point? Five years later, two years later, three years later, et cetera, Cause you, et cetera. Because you can't judge an MVP not by his MVP standards if he's already won it. So no, you yeah. just can't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it, honestly. Nah, for sure. But with that being said, I'm John W. Fresh X. And this is the Hoopers Pod. And I was just doing some deep diving on stats. I ain't going to say deep diving, Paul, but I was just looking at some stats yesterday. The Clippers got three players in the top ten in steals. Um, Paul George, Kawhi, and Russell Westbrook. That's not surprising. No, nah, yeah, but I feel like the Clippers' defense isn't that good, though, outside yeah, of that. Yeah, say right? <laughs> it's, like, it's not that good outside of that. But I've seen that. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Indiana Pacers this year or not. Um, they've been really competitive. I think they're at like 9-5, 9-4, or something like that. But just looking at some of the stuff, I just – and throwing this in context, I don't think people remember Rick Carlisle is their head coach. And that year where Dallas had one of the – Crazy had that crazy offensive efficiency year. I think it was the best in history. He was that head coach on the team. Indiana, the Indiana Pacers are first in points per game, first in field goals made, first in field goals attempted, first in field goal percentage, first the third in threes made, sixth in threes attempted, fourth in percentage, first in assists, and second in blocks. Just to throw some defense out there. And throw one more thing out there for what they also like their first in pace. <laughs> And, of course, that's when you have a player like Tyrese Halliburton. I know it's been talked about a lot. I'm pretty sure Rick Carlisle has said that. And, of course, when you look at the team and how, even how it's made up, yeah, they do have some players who you, like, maybe we could be better defensively, but they do have a lot of good offensive players on that team. And they're last in defense. For scoring. Second in, like, so. Oh, I, did you see the Hawks game the other night? Oh, yeah. I, love, like, <laughs> yeah, you gotta, I like a mix of both. Sometimes I just want to see you score. So no, I mean, yeah, for sure. But with that being said, do you think it's also just um, the results of a young team and a head coach understanding what his team is? And let's just, I just want y'all to play the best basketball possible and let's not worry about trying to be this something we're not. You think it really comes down to that, honestly? I think it's a mix of that and it's a mix of who Rick Carlisle is. and lean into leaning more into that as the NBA has gone more offensive because he's always been an offensive eccentric type of coach to me. He always ran different type of sets, 
and even going back to the championship Dallas team. But like you started with, people forget that team. Uh, with Luca, second third year. Yeah, Luca, second or third year. Like they set all time offensive records. Um, and Halliburton isn't the player that Luca is, but because Luca's gonna give you more scoring, but he could do a lot of the same things. And Halliburton is gonna give you more assists. Um, so he's gonna give you a little. Mi- they both give you a little mix of both. Luca's gonna score a little more. Luca will get thirty and eight. Halliburton is gonna get twenty three and eleven. So, nothing wrong with either yeah, one. Yeah, nothing wrong with either one of them. Ty- Tyrese is looking like the second best point guard in the NBA this year, unless I'm missing somebody. I'm not saying he is the second best point guard, but as far as this season, right? Other than Steph, who's better than Tyrese Halliburton running point guard? He's playing. He's running that team, traditional point guard for the people who like that. Um, but Rick Carlisle and like they they have players that can do a lot of different. Like Ben is a solid scorer. Of course, Buddy Hill has led the league in threes. I think he has the most threes since, like, 2019. Miles um, Turner can do some different things offensively, um, shooting the ball. And then, um, obviously, you know, he's athletic and things like that. And, you know, when you get into, you know, Bruce, Bruce Brown, OB, um, you know, they got a lot of players that can do certain things offensively or they can contribute offensively. Even Aaron Neesmith, he's found his, you know, he's found his role TJ there. McConnell has a – traditional backup point guard right. comes in and keeps the offense flowing in the same type of way even though he doesn't bring necessarily bring the score. So I, I just think Rick Carlisle is just for one putting the ball in Tyrese's hands, Paul's, and giving them a chance to just explore offensively run, like you said, with their first in pace, first in scoring. They're gonna have lapses in defense that you're gonna have to get better with over they over the years. Like that's have. definitely something you're gonna have to fix. But they probably right. definitely have two of the better shot blockers in the league with Miles Turner and Isaiah Jackson. Right. So it's more like getting timely stops, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're trying to outscore people. We haven't seen that necessarily completely work yet. They're going to have to get better defensively. But um, Indiana's a real – they're they're they're, uh, they're a solid team. They're a really good team, and they're just going to keep getting better, I think, honestly. No, yeah, I definitely agree. And I think, like I said, I think they have players out there on the court who can contribute defensively on the perimeter or the interior. I feel like Obi Toppin could be a better defender. They been I feel like even Tyrese Halliburton would That's what you need it from. Them are your young players like, too. Like, no. Oh, I'd say Tyrese, especially with his size and length as a point guard. Like, like he should be in like, passing lanes. No, nah, for sure. How many steals Tyrese average? One? No. Nah, yeah, nah. He can average I think two would be better. No, nah, yeah, for sure. And like I said this year he's leading league in assists. Um I think he's averaging twelve and throw twenty four points on that. I, um, between him and Trey Anthony, I feel like those are the two best playmaking point guards right now. I know it, you know Trey has been the better scorer over the you know over their careers, but do you feel like Tyrese is kind of catching him in the playmaking category, especially when you look at not just his numbers but just the team as a whole, like with like say first and points, threes, all these things like that. Yeah, I would say I would say. Uh... That he is catching, the, he 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 is getting there with him, and like Trey has had his team since the beginning, while um, you know Halliburton is getting his first opportunity to run this team, but they do a lot of things the same way, and I would say, honestly, he he may be a little less of a scorer than Trey Young, but he's probably a better passer because Trey averages has averaged ten assists, obviously. But Tyrese is averaging twelve, so that's a little little different. No, sure. um, so I would say I think those those two are the best. But 
Tyrese might be catching up, man. I might put Ty- I think I would say Tyrese is a better player than Trey. Hmm. And they're going to play similarly. Um, he going to shoot. They both shoot the threes. They're going to handle the ball a lot. I think uh, I would go with Tyrese at this point. No, yeah. I think that's fair. Like I said, I think. 26 and 10 this year for Trey. Tyrese at 25 and 12, so the points aren't that far off. No, nah, yeah, exactly right. Like, it's not a big difference in between what they're really doing. It's more of, and I guess for a lot of people, just which one you prefer. But then even if you're looking at the shoe numbers, Tyrese has them in a lot of. Yeah, Tyrese has them better. Like, a lot better, right? I think Tyrese is running the team better, too. Like, Trey handles the ball, he dominates the offense, and it's a little bit different, especially the last couple of years with, De- with DeJounte Murray. But I feel like Tyrese orchestrates the team better. Puts players in position better and even though he does handle the ball a lot it's not really just about the ball being in his hands either so no you sure. gotta watch the game check them out check no yeah sure. like so indiana, indiana is one of those teams i remember you know when they first traded sabonis for ty halliburton and people thought they were going to rebuild or whatever like no the pacers fan base is so low that the pacers as an organization will never put a bad team out there like they just won't like we might not be the best team. We're not going to make y'all suffer, though. Yeah, it was just about resetting <laughs> for them. And, I mean, honestly, they have a solid team. And Absolutely. Tyrese is going to be a multi-time all-star. So, it's like really finding who is his his running mate. Because he is leading the team. But he does need somebody like, well, all right, they're a good team. They're going to make the playoffs this year. Maybe they're, they're seventh playoffs. right now. So, but they're tied for six. So, I can see them at a top six team. Because I honestly, hmm, would I take them over the Knicks? I think so. I would I would take them to beat the Knicks in the playoff series as of right now. But um, they're 6-7, and seven, so that's either playoffs or play-in. But what gets you into the top three in the East? And that's the question they have to ask themselves. And Tyrese is obviously a part of that. Like, knowing that you have that, I think, makes the next part easier because now it's like, all right, what do, what do you want right there? Is it is it a, a versatile four? Is it a wing player? But I think whoever it is, it has to be a 20-point-per-game score. Somebody that you can go to to get. I know people, we like to like the intangibles nowadays. We'll nah. get you to the next level because Tyrese, with him handling the team, he gonna even if that part, that 20-point-per-game score is, isn't your best player, he got to be somebody you can really lean on, no, Chris Middleton sure. to Giannis, I Jamal what, Murray I think, to Jokic. I know he kind of started off a little rocky this year, but I think – Rick Carlisle sees a lot of that at Ben for throwing. Say, start, yeah, start he's supposed year. to be that player, right? Like I say, you still have Buddy. I know, you know, age-wise, Buddy is a little older than everybody else on the team. But I feel like, you know, Buddy as a shooter, he also can get you about 20, 21 a night for the most part. I don't know if they have that young player who's like, all right, for surely this is it. But I do think they have players who could match that with Tyrese as of now. I think they think Ben is that, and that's what it is. Like, him and Keegan Murray are the same to you. Both of their teams have what they need. Like, you got De'Aaron, you got Sabonis. You have the makeup of a team that should be competing. Right. But it is that other guy. Like, having Tyrese, having Buddy, having Miles, like, that's that's solid right there. Oh, sure. If Ben is, which he, last year, his rookie year, he averages 16 a game. He's down this year because they're spreading the ball out a little bit more, too, right. though. Um, but he's down to 12 a game this year. But field goal percentage is the same, but field goal attempts are down. So, and the attempts are down because more people are touching the ball. So, I guess if his field goal percentage was down, we, it, it, I feel like it would be weird, worse. Right. You know what I mean? So, but I do think they're going to need somebody else that's going to really 
be able to stand out or have those standout moments. And it could be him. And I'm assuming it's still there because I don't think they're rushing it. But they, they're one of them teams, I think, that are right there where it's like because, you know, everybody's going to be in the market for something. Something or one of these players, especially with what might happen with Zach and Demar, mm-hmm. um, it's like would one of those players make sense here, or do we just wait, continue to cultivate what we got? Because it's also that talk about I think it's Zach going to Sacramento, um, but it's like maybe we should wait and see, cultivate what we got, see what's really there, and not be. You don't want to make the wrong move mm-hmm. and trade for the wrong person. Sure, sure. Um, like everything. Also. But you don't want your window to close either. So that's the tricky game of being an NBA GM. But it, I think if Ben steps up, that which is like I said, he's not playing bad. But it's definitely another level. Like he said, he's better than LeBron. He said that when he was a rookie. LeBron has a twenty-five right now. So, <laughs> um, so but for real though, if that if he takes that next level, become that, you have to have a second All Star. No. Even if it's not an official, Jamal Murray isn't an official All Star, but he's an All Star level player. No, no team I can see is winning a championship without that. Even people like to lean to that Dallas team, but Jason Kidd was an All Star this year. If you got a collection of other players that have been All Stars that aren't just like done, then that's different. But you usually has to have either the best player in the league and a second All Star, borderline second All Star, or an All uh, a an collection all of it. Nice, so true. that's where that's where I think they at. But they still young, and um, I like where Indiana's going though. No. Go back to scoring real quick. Good league pass team, for sure. I don't watch a couple no, of their league just because of their offense, right? Yeah, I've watched a couple of their league pass games. But go back to the scoring real quick. I don't know if you saw it, but um, Kevin Durant recently just passed Elvin Hayes for 11th all-time on the scoring list. Mm-hmm. And LeBron officially joined the 39,000. I guess it's not a club because he's the only person in it, but he's he just created the 39K club. Nah, yeah, right. He's the you know he's there first. I don't know if you saw it for the game. Darvin Ham said he's not going to get a game ball until he's, it's the 40K, mm-hmm. which he's definitely got to get to. But mm-hmm. to see both those players, you know, do both of those things, of course, they're still playing, so they still got to add to these numbers and these totals. So I'm never going to ask you where you think the numbers are going to end up, where you think they're going to end up. But just to even see it with players at, you know, their age and the stage of their careers, the injuries they've been, they've been through, I know we give it to. I know people say it to about LeBron a lot, but this 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 even just showed the longevity for KD as well of what he's been able to accomplish and what he's been able to do even after some major injuries. Right, and you know some really major injuries. I do think the longevity is playing part, and then just the overall ability of what he's doing out there. Cause it's crazy that he he just got in the top ten, he just passed Elvin Hayes, and he should pass. Um, Who's next? And I can't think of I was literally just looking at it. But I know he's not going to get to Melo this year. He should pass Melo and Shaq, like, next year. But even when you just think about the time that he's missed where he could be at, that's the only thing I ever really really think about it. Um, it's like, dang, he really could be higher by now. He could, he could be creeping, creeping up that list. But with the longevity, he's not stopping. He's at 30 a game right now. He's going to contend for another scoring title this year. Um, and – like, I don't see him retiring anytime soon. So, it, it is, uh, you know, amazing to see just, like, what you can do over that, you know, consistency over that time. And even, you know, nobody speaks to that better than LeBron. Not even just the longevity of him playing, but 25 points per game in 20 straight seasons. 
that's like crazy in itself to, when you really think about it. Like he's averaged 25, 20 straight years. You know, it's hard to that's hard to do. So he's definitely gonna hit forty thousand. I always still wonder though. It is all gonna depend on how long KD wants to play, where he ultimately ends up. Um, but he's gonna be he's gonna end up high on that list though. He's gonna be super high on that list. I can't remember who's in front of him now, but. I know I was looking at it and I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to creep up on Melo by next year. And I think that's going to be cool because um, I, I definitely feel like Melo is going to be at the game when that happens. No, uh, so, but, yeah, it's crazy to see. No, yeah, definitely. And like I said, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, Phoenix was 13-1 and one when Devin Booker and KD play together. Dan Isel. That's who's in front of KD. Who's that? Yeah. Isel. Dan Isel. Okay. That's why I, I, I'm sorry. No disrespect. I don't know him like that. I know the name, but I don't know him like that. But after he passed him. But she's gonna pass him in the next month. He's gonna pass him and get to twelfth. Uh, I think more so next year is when you we he's gonna get in the top ten. And he's gonna pass Melo and Shaq next year, and potentially Moses Malone, depending on where he ends at this year. So that's crazy. And once you pass Moses, I mean you're creeping up to the thirty thou club. So. Can't, you can't stop till you get there, right? Right, you might yeah. as well. Got to keep going. No, for sure. And like I said, without injuries, and I'll even with, look at the Golden State years where he – Oh, my bad. That's the NBA and the ABA. I'm tripping, y'all. My bad. Shout out <laughs> to basketball reference. Moses Malone is who he passes next. <laughs> I, I was like, I thought he was a little closer to the top ten. Shout out to Dan Isel. That means you get a lot of buckets in the ABA. Not yeah, Dan sure, Isel right. second in the ABA all time. I'm tripping. But, Not yeah, sure. he's about to pass Moses next. That's even, I, I like, I, you know, I respect Moses, so that's going to be a good one. But he's about to pass Moses in the next month also. <laughs> so, KD's finna be top 10 in the NBA this year, and he's still probably not passing Melo to next year, though. Hmm. That's crazy. That's right, yeah. shout, out to, shout out to ABA, because I was looking at it, and I was like, you, you said he going to get the Melo and all them, and I'm looking like, wait, I ain't realize, I ain't know Moses Malone was still in front. I thought Melo had passed. That's because his ABA points. Yeah, I just yeah, looking at that, too. Yeah, that's what you said. That's showing you the point, boy. People don't know. Different man, time. You know, we Different time. Get, we can't even get to that this episode. Different time, man. Points left on the board. <laughs> but shout, like I said, shout out to KD and LeBron for still setting history on their illustrious careers. I don't know if you've seen it, just to, real quick before we change subjects. But uh, I think in his last six, KD is at, like, 30 points on 60 from the field, 60 from three, and like 94 from the three-point line. Right. It's something crazy like that. Like I said, um, when him and Devin Booker both on the court together, they're 13-1 in Phoenix. So if they ever can figure it out, they've been putting some big wins together lately. If they can never figure it out, everybody gets healthy on that team. Phoenix could still be dangerous down the line. I want to get to the in-season tournament real quick because I've seen, I don't know if you've been paying attention on Twitter, not even just NBA Twitter, but people just talk that, you know, you know, comment on basketball and things and life like that. But there's been a big turnaround on the in-season tournament over these past couple weeks to where everybody's like, they're not finding it anymore. It's like, I right, know this is just really good basketball. I remember me and you was talking and you were saying how somebody was still trying to score a day in another game. I was watching the run back the other day. I forgot who it was. But, yeah, they, I seen somebody try to get up like six more points at the end of the game just for that points differential. I'm pretty sure it was Sacramento, but – and I was on NBA.com the other day, shout out to NBA, and um, I didn't realize that they were going to be breaking down, like, the stats separately or even doing the um, – keep the, I seen the in-season tournament MVP list, and I want to start there real quick for that, which I thought was some interesting names on there because these players were probably – some of these players would probably never be 
in the MVP in the regular season MVP um, race, but to see Tyrese Halliburton was first on there, averaging 24-25-4 rebounds, fourteen assists, and two steals. He leads. He's on number one on there. Demontis Sabonis, 22-13-10, block and a half. LeBron, 27-8-7, 1.3 steals. Carl Anthony Towns, who I was like, okay, cat, that's what I'm talking about. Let's get something. 31-11, two steals. And you got Jokic at the bottom at number five at 30 points, 15 rebounds, 12 assists. That's an interesting top five, like I said, because you'll never see that for the regular season MVP race. So just even looking at that little wrinkle of it, now nah, it's not like I see somebody say that's that's some LeBron could win that Jordan could never win. So that makes him better. I forgot who it was. I was like, we still doing that type of shit. My bad, y'all. But um, just look at that and like say Tyrese Halliburton, who has Indiana and you know successful right now. Demontis Sabonis, Car Anthony Towns, like those players would never probably be in the MVP race unless they were just having some crazy type of year. Their teams were crazy good. But do you like the saying that other players can be celebrated like that with an MVP type of not even MVP type award, but with an MVP award, regardless of how the general consensus look at it? Yeah, because the NBA has always been about empowering the players and. Like when you say that those guys have never had a chance, never have a chance. Obviously, people are like, oh no, realistically, they won't be in the conversation. Realistically, they won't be in the conversation. Honestly, like I could see Halliburton being in there, but Indiana would have to be in first place. Super good. So it, it'll really be tough. So this way is another way to highlight these players because this is what it matters. Like Indiana's three and zero. He, the numbers he's putting up is crazy, and so I, I like I like that. Um, honestly, because it does give other – that's the best way to put the spotlight on someone else, and it's still just all about basketball. You're not trying too hard. They're just out there hooping. They're taking it serious. They want to play, and they're winning, and you hear the numbers that he's putting up. So um, I do think that's pretty – I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think if LeBron got a chance to win, they're going to get it to LeBron. <laughs> but <laughs> – Especially Lakers four, Lakers four, no, their points differential is like plus seventy four. Um, I think they have the best point differential. LeBron's probably gonna win the first in season tournament MVP, but I think it's cool that these guys even have a chance to be be in the conversation. No, sure, no, I definitely agree with that because, like I said, it's just something. And yeah, Lakers, Lakers definitely taking the in season tournament series. They point differential. Oh, but that's because they they're done. They played all their games, so. Now your most your most teams have played all their games yeah, already. Indiana still got a game left. Um, Cleveland, but even with that, like you say, it looks oh. like like say legs are four and zero, and it's like you can tell they take it. They don't, you know. It's all like Rick goes. It's all gonna go back into the regular season. Is you know this is November, but they are taking these games seriously. Like they are showing that you know we can be competitive in November. Like these games are intense because. Like it always go back to being said. I think you said you said the best. Like when you're playing, you got to play the same team over and over again, which is what the end season tournament kind of is. Like you are playing, you might play them in a regular season game one week, they got to come back and play them in the end season tournament, and you might play them again the week after that. So it's like one of those, two of those three games are gonna be real high level games, and I think that's what's coming. That's what the end season tournament has done is made games in November matter, which was always the point of it. Like these games matter. Regardless if it's for this or not, like 
let's like let's get into these games in November. Let's go ahead and be warmed up. Let's go ahead and get fans into it because most fans, most fans will tell you, even some hardcore fans will tell you, I you know I watch the they watch the games, but they don't start paying attention until December. Now you got fans, those hardcore fans. Everybody's paying attention in November, and like it or not, that's how we get some of these contracts in the NBA. Because now, imagine what TV deals finna be just for the end season, just to include the end season tournament as a thing. We ain't got to get into that for real. Right. But but have you seen the just the end with like the, the leaders? Because everybody's like literally coming to their last game, so they're getting ready for the trip to Vegas. So right now, if it happened today. Uh, you know, Milwaukee still got two games to play. Pacers still got – people still have games to play. But if it was over today, Pacers, Indiana Pacers, the Bucks, Celtics, and Miami would go from the east or mm-hmm. go from their groups. Um, and then on the other side, it would be Lakers, Sacramento, New Orleans, and Minnesota. So mm-hmm. even that group of – like the, I feel like the east, like, yeah, you can expect Boston. You can expect the, the Milwaukee, Miami. Oh, and Indiana's a little wrinkle over there that's different. But then when you look at the Western, like, imagine the in-season tournament championship that's like the Pacers and, and Pacers and Sacramento Kings. That's right. We'll <laughs> never get – Minnesota again, not, and the Pelicans. Not that we won't ever get these as NBA finals That'll matchups, never be the NBA finals be. matchup. The <laughs> Indiana Pacers will never in life play the Sacramento Kings in the NBA finals. I won't see that in my lifetime. Maybe my son will, but I doubt he won't see it. And I doubt his kids will see it. I'm not saying that either one of these teams won't ever go to the finals because the Pacers have been to the finals, but at the same time, time. never. It's never going to (laughs) happen. Not ever going to happen. Never. The day that happens, I only think they could play there in the same conference. I'm going to say like the Browns and the Lions in the Super Bowl. They they can play. Never going to (laughs) happen. Never. They can go individually because the Lions actually—they both gonna make the playoffs this year. They ain't going both to teams Super Bowl. Both teams actually they ain't going really to the Super Bowl year. together. Not together. <laughs> Never Not together. gonna happen. But now, like you say, like we've been saying, with a team like Minnesota, because um, Sacramento might win that joint, man. They might win. Clutch player of the year, Jerry West, player of the year on first, the court. Man. First one to win that. But like I said, the NCAA tournament has been really good this year. You can definitely tell. Just outside of the courts and the jerseys, the team wears. You can definitely tell the difference in the game intensity. And one more thing from the NCAA tournament before we switch subjects: these are the score leaders. These are I couldn't find the averages, but these are the totals. If I tell you, you can guess who one or two is already. But this is the top ten. You want to guess who one or two is? Got to be Embiid and Durant, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> like both of them have had a forty. I know KD yeah, scored thirty nine the first game, like thirty eight the second one. Well, I check. Uh, I, but the these were as of yesterday, so Wednesday. I mean, B was at 136, 136 total points. KD at 107. Tyrese Maxey at 105. Jeremy Grant at 102. Oh, Maxey. Mm. Jordan Clarkson and LeBron tied at 100 points. Clarkson, okay, different names in there. See, I like that. Tobias Harris at 98. Luke at 94. Tobias. <laughs> Luke at 94. Jokic at 91. And LaMelo Ball at 90. Shout out to LaMelo, man. LaMelo been hooping this year. But like I said, Seven of his last nine games, 30 points. Shout out to Melo. Shout out to Melo. Because he has been really good this year. Charlotte has a really fun team. We ain't even necessarily talk about Charlotte. But Charlotte does have a really nice roster this year. They just need the front office to recognize what kind of team they have and put the right people in place to help lead that team. But a young team I do want to talk about is the Orlando Magic. They just picked up a big win against the Denver Nuggets last night. Um, the 10-5, Paolo is looking like an all-star. 
Kryance has really stepped his game up this year. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, who I think is the difference maker. I was saying on Twitter, like, I don't know where people uh, – me personally, I don't know how – you know, where he's going to be at compared to some of his peers five, six years from now. But he's going to be one of those players that a team that's in the playoffs every year fighting for the playoffs, fighting for championships, going to want their team because, like, what he does defensively leads to a lot of things Orlando does on the fast break, which helps him get out and run. Um are you surprised that Orlando, just even in these you know first fifteen games of the season, have been this good? Where they're in the top five, top four in the East? Um, no. I, I <clears throat> excuse me. I thought Orlando was going to be better. <clears throat> excuse me. I thought they were going to be better um, because I knew they were going to have Markel and Jalen Suggs. And Markel hasn't even really been there. He's only played five games. But having one of them to direct the team, and I, I knew Paolo was going to take the, another step. And it's funny. He's averaging less points, but he's shooting 47% from the field, 45 from from three. Um, you know, his free throws could be better. But, like, shooting those percentages from, from the field just shows how efficient that he's been. So, you're getting 19 from Paolo and another 19 from Franz. But, like you said, having Jalen Suggs out there, um, which he's going to provide defensively, he's giving you 12 points per game. He's giving them how many assists? He's averaging about three assists per game. Um, but – just the direction that he's bringing for them out there. And then, except Paolo's looking like an all-star. He, he, he played in, in the World Cup over the summer. He went through that. He had his moment there. Um, but then he just bleed that over to the season. But Orlando 10-5 right now is a team, I think, you talked about them last year that you thought that they were going to be better this year. And I think Orlando – I think Detroit, I was the person that had Detroit making, like, the play-in this year. I think Detroit was kind of getting some of the love that Orlando should have been getting. That's how it's looking right now. Um, because, you know, this is a solid team. They, they And they're missing Wendell Carter also. Like, Wendell Carter and Markel could really be helping what they're doing. But getting what you're getting out of Jalen, Cole Anthony is doing what he typically does. Um, and then Paolo and France, like, leading everything. Like, with those two can do anything on the court at any moment. Like, you need a bucket, you can go to Paolo. You need a bucket or something created, you can go to Paolo. You need that, you can go to France. But what Jalen's bringing them defensively, I think they're fifth. Yeah, they're fifth in defense, fifth in points per game. They're clearly locking up on that side and then kind of getting in transition. No, yeah, definitely. Like I said, well, missing Will McCarter, who's another, who's, you know, projected to be a rim protector, rebounder, even can stretch the floor a bit on the other side with a three ball. And Markel Fultz, where he can also bring defensively and in the open court and even just run the team. Exactly. Orlando could be in a lot – you know, they could be a lot better than they are in these first 15 games. Fourth place so far. No, nah, right. And, then, you know, you see sometimes you see young teams who might start off like this, they kind of start to fade during the season. We saw last year with Sacramento, you know, they held up, you know, it was third seed last year. Do you think Orlando can do the same thing and fight through some of that young stuff and – be a playoff team all year, even, like, be a home court playoff team all year? I, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if they're going to be a home court team this year. Um, but I do think they can make the top six. Hmm. And that's great in itself. Oh, sure. Um, like, to be able to avoid the play-in. But I think even if they end up falling and they have to be a play-in team, I still think that's a, a success. Because in Paolo's second year, Paolo, we need to see Paolo in the playoffs. Paolo needs to be in the playoffs. He needs to experience that. He needs to experience scoring points in the playoffs, having his low moments, having the big moments. Because Paolo is going to be one of the best players in the league. 
I, I said last year on the show that he's going to be an all-star by year three. He has a chance to make it this year. And if they're in the top four by then, he's going to be an all-star. But I think more than that, Paolo experience in the playoffs this year is going to be huge. And France, too, for that no, matter. Yeah, for I don't sure. know if France has been in the playoffs. No, yeah, this is only his second year. This is his second year as well. Really? Yeah. He no. was a rookie last year? Or yeah. is this his? Okay, so. He, and those two are clearly that duo. Might have been a third, but this is his. He's yeah, he ain't been in. Up. He went on none of the Vooch, Aaron Gordon. No, he wasn't so, like yeah, so getting them guys to experience that and having an in-season tournament, you know, Helps helps that because even I've already heard Dave say you could feel the difference of the vibe um, or whatever. But compete for the NBA championship is the ultimate ultimate goal, and that's what's going to put you in the history books. And I think Paolo is going to be a history book player, so he needs to be in the playoffs. No, nah, for sure. And um, I want to go. I know we talked about Minnesota. I think last episode a lot, but I want to go back to them real quick because I was just looking at their record and everything. Which they're ten and three. 11-3. 11-3. Second me. best record in the league, Minnesota. <laughs> They're 7-1 in conference. The, the oh, undefe- undefeated at home. Three losses on the road. Undefeated at home. That's what's up. Hold down the home court. You don't want nah, to go to Minnesota. No, nah, for sure. But looking at their conference record and looking at, like I said, three losses on the road, do you like the saying that they're able to dump, like I said, 7-1, basically dominating the conference at this point? Do you like that? Because those are teams you're going to have to play in the playoffs. But do you think that, you know, not necessarily being as good right now on the road could hurt them down later on down the season? Mm, I won't overthink the road thing because you have to lose somewhere. And I would prefer to lose on the road than at home. And if you got the top seed, you're going to be at home in the playoffs anyway. I'm actually not – I'm actually – I actually really like them having such a good record against the Western Conference. Because if it was the East, I'm not going to lie, I probably – the East has gotten better. The East always gets better, um, especially from a lot of those years where the East wasn't that good at all. But the West is still the better conference. Like, the better players are still in the West, honestly, I would say. Not sure. the, and even more the complete team. So, to be able to win on that side, even though it's early, to be able to get those wins and get those confidence, I think it matters. to show that you can really compete over there because, like you said, that, that is who you're playing in the playoffs. So, if nothing else, this game of basketball is confidence. And if, yeah, playoffs, regular season is different. But I feel a little different going to the playoffs knowing I done beat you all year. So, you know, now you got to actually prove to me that, all right, it was a fluke. Or, yeah, you can beat me. But, so I actually I actually like that. I don't think that's, like, that's not nothing to me to be 7-1 and one in, in the Western Conference. No, sure. And do you think this roster, especially after some of the moves that were made over – Know, this year, last year, after the Rudy Gobert trade. Do you think this roster is a little more comfortable together this year? Because we did see where it was like Cat and Rudy was in the way of each other, then both of them was kind of in the way of Ant. Carthy Towns, after coming out saying he's the best big shooting big band ever and all this, that, the third. He didn't really look like it for a lot of the season. Like, it was kind of clunky last year. But do you think Minnesota has figured out everything that works best, for, at least for right now anyway, with this collection of players? Because this is who we going with. Right, and shout out to Nick Andre. Uh, he actually said, you know, point out how like Cat only played fifty one games last year, um, and didn't they trade for Mike Conley in mm-hmm. the middle of the season? So yeah. I think having a full off season with him, he's the point guard that they, they kind of need on this team. Honestly, he's been solid, like not all star, no nothing crazy like that. But he's playing, he's doing his role, he's playing his job. Um, forty one percent from three, like ten points per game, 
think he's like five assists. Like he's doing what you need him to do. But having a year of it, an off season of it, figuring out that Ant is the guy. You're still gonna go to Cat, obviously, because Cat is a, is crazy talented, and he's a matchup problem. But at the end of the day, unless you got Shaq, Kareem, the guard is gonna have the ball in his hand. So if if he can be that guy, and he wants to be that guy, and honestly, I think Ant was always cool with just playing his role. And I'm not, you know, we all. I'm always gonna have a little bias for Ant because Ant's real Atlanta. So take it with a grain of salt, but. I feel like he tried to, like, not just step on people's toes. He waited till they was like, yeah, it should be, you know, take us there because it was just natural for him to do it. Um, but I think it all fits a little better this year because, you you know, having a year to play play with each other and then adding a point guard that really helps with what they're doing, I think, all helps because, I mean, we even see it with the Lakers because with D'Lo being who he is, because D'Lo was their starting point guard last year, you got to let him do what he wants to do. Um, like, I like aggressive D'Angelo Russell because he can shoot, he can handle the ball, he can score how he how he needs to. But you already worry about getting at the ball, you getting Carl the ball, then you got to figure out playing pick and roll with Rudy because you don't want him just, like, camping out in the paint. Right, and it's better when you got a point guard who don't need the ball full time, but at the end of the day, Mike Conley is a real point guard. He can really run the team. He has handled the ball extended periods of time pause. So I, I do think it fits all better together. Um, having a year, really figuring out that role, really having that person at the top and him taking that next level too because if you're going to be that, you can't be that. We can't be saying you demand you're averaging 22 points per game, 23 points per game, you know, 26 a game right now for Ant. Um, and honestly, I I think he can stay at that, or if not, go up more. No, yeah, that, no, yeah, that's for sure. There's a difference between 22 points per game and 26 points per oh, game. That's it's not the same. It's a big difference. And definitely agree with you on your point about Mike Conley being there for a full off season and just having that stability at point guard. Like, nah, Mike Conley isn't out there being a flame. I mean, you shoot for a rough. He's been dude. a flame though, but it's not like he's out there. You know, he isn't 15 and 7 anymore. Four attempts. Four attempts you know, a game. He isn't 15 and 7 anymore, but nope. being 10 and 5, 25. being able to run the offense, get players where they need to be, getting the offense where it needs to be, getting things set up, pushing the ball. He's still a good defender, which I think is the biggest thing about Minnesota this year. I don't think it gets, I don't get, think it gets spoken on enough, but they have really good interior and perimeter defenders with Nikhil Alexander Walker, Anthony Edwards, uh, Jaden McDaniels. Nas Reed, who's also improved on his three-point shooting, so that helps, you know, with him being on the court as well. I got my boy Slow Mo over Slow there, Mo, Kyle Anderson. Slow Mo, who looks a lot faster this year. Like, he's really into it. Who's another player who understands how to get players to ball in the position they need to be in as well. So, do you think Minnesota can keep it up all year? We've seen them be a playing team the last couple of years, which also led to them being an seed in the playoff. But mm-hmm. do you think this is the year that we see them as – a high end playoff team, maybe even if it's just six seed, but they actually, they're not sneaking in. I don't have to win an extra game to get in there, but they actually make the playoffs this year. I think what Minnesota's doing isn't a fluke. Honestly, I don't even think they're six seed. I think they mm. could be a top four seed in the West. Mm, okay. Like they can get home court because, and that's where playing in the play. Like they've had these moments in the playoffs. They haven't advanced, but they've made the playoffs. They won um, games in the playoffs. And I'm not saying, and and we're saying they're a top four team. I'm not even saying they're a conference finals team. But I can see them going to the next round. It's been said a, minute, a lot of times that a lot of people in the Nuggets organization 
the Nuggets players thought that that was their toughest series last year was Minnesota because obviously you just had to worry about Booker and KD with the with Phoenix. They roster wasn't much. They swept the Lakers. Finals get out of here. A lot of people think that Minnesota was their toughest series. That was they that went six games. Did anybody else take them to six games? They, no, Phoenix. Phoenix did take them to six games. My bad. Did they? Yeah, yeah. Phoenix took them to six games. They almost went seven in Minnesota. That's what it was. But they they won the last game. But I don't think it's a fluke. And when you look at their roster, this league is going to be built by your best players. And it's what your role players are doing. Like, Mike Conley is averaging 10 points, 5 assists. He's shooting 48 from the field, 41 from three, five assists, and he's giving you .8 turnovers. He's not turning the ball over. We already talked about with Jaden McDaniels and how he's been the perfect wingman for them and the role he's playing defensively and what he's doing there. Naj Reed and how he's contributing. Cat and what he's doing. Rudy Gobert is going to be in a defensive player of the year conversation, even though I think he's getting a little love for what the whole team is doing opposed to it just being him. Like I, I think they really have a solid – rotational players that could get them to the second round, potentially the conference finals. And once you get there, it's all about the team too, because you're going to have those role player games. But once you get to the conference finals, it's like, all right, how ready is Ant to take y'all over the, over the hunt? And he's been good in the playoffs so far. Like I said, it hasn't right. been in necessarily in situations where it's leading to, you know, playoff series victories, but he has been good in the playoffs so far. But you're right, there is another level that he could take to help get them to the second round. Is that right? So, and, and I don't even, not even saying that he can't do it, but I'm like, is it, I, time. Is, this, is this your time to do it, to get y'all to that round, oh, to get y'all sure. to the next round? But like I said, this year so far, 26 a game, 46 from the field, 38 from three, and t- is taking that next level where, like, I see him and Book, best twos in the league. You still got Spider. That's it right there, because I ain't putting, can't talk about Bradley Beal no more. He don't Jared play. Brown. But, Jalen Brown, I be I be putting him in at a, at a three, but he is a two. My bad, Jalen Brown. So, no, so you got to put Jalen Brown there. I didn't omit him because I don't think he should be there. I be thinking about him at a three, but he is a two. No, that's real. I can dig that. I can dig that. The Detroit Pistons, who we brought up when we were talking about Orlando, because I also thought the Pistons would be a lot better than they are this year. As I took these notes, which was up yesterday on Wednesday, they had lost 12 straight games. And just looking at the roster – and how it's made up of. I know there are other young teams in the league, but this team is super young. Um, they got one player with double, with double digit years experience in the NBA. They got three with more than five and two right at five. And none of those players, for the most part, are their best players. Like Cade is in his, what, third year. Mm-hmm. Jay Knight is in his second. Jalen Loran is in his second. Um, Isaiah Stewart, I think he was at three or four. Marvin Bagley is one of the older players on the team with five. Bogdan, I would think he'd be at double digits, but I think he's at eight or nine. That's crazy, right? <clears throat> he's at nine. So, and when you just look at the makeup, years, yeah, in the league. But when you just look up at up look at the makeup of the team and how young it is, we know they have talent because nobody is you know discount any of the players on Detroit. I think that's what a lot of people are wondering why they are so bad because they do have talented players at different at multiple positions on the team. Um, you bring in a head coach like Muncie, who you figure, if nothing else, you have them playing hard every night. What do you think it is that's Detroit's main problem this year? I know they've had players out of the lineup with injuries, especially in key players who they thought would be there. But what is it that you think has been the main problem with Detroit this year? Their offense sucks. That's real. 
nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> They're 27th in the league in scoring right now. Um, like, you got K. K's averaging 21 a game. K's also leading the league in turnovers, uh, almost five a game. Like, that's crazy. Um and they're running the offense, what everybody call them nowadays, the heliocentric. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they say the offense is supposed to be because K is the lead guard, but they don't have shooters to to do that. I don't think the roster is good enough around him to do that. Um, K is averaging 21. It's multiple people averaging double digits. Nobody's averaging over 12 points, though. Um Isaiah Stewart, 11.9. Asar Thompson, in the rookie of the year conversations, not going to win it. But he's at 11. Jalen Duran, he's been – I've enjoyed watching him play this year. He's giving you 12. Alec Burke is averaging 13. He's hurt right now. Exactly. Um, who is this? Jaden Ivey's averaging 11. Marley, Marvin Bagley is 11. I could mention Kevin Knox is averaging uh, 11 he also, but he's only played four games, and it's Kevin Knox who really cares. Um <laughs> I think it's a, they like they they're scoring so many people. It's, it's crazy to have so many people averaging double digits and the scoring still be so terrible. And some of the players, like you said, with Alec Burke, like he's hurt, but they don't have shooting. I feel like they lack, like they have athletes, but they feel like they don't at the same time. It's kind of weird because Asar is an amazing athlete. Jay Ivy is a good, but they're not necessarily pushing the pace on you either. So it's not like they they like running. Like with this team and the athletes that they do have, you would think they would be higher in pace. They're 15th in pace, which means they're just like average. And Cade is more of a methodical – like he's not – with the athletes he got around him, you would think push it forward and just go. Um, I don't really like the rotations Monty has been doing. And I just think overall right now, like they got bad habits. Who's been their coach the last couple of years? The, Was Casey their last coach? Yeah, Dwayne Casey. They got bad habits. They're all really young, as you started off with, and they're going through their growing pains. And I think we were clearly a year too early with thinking that Detroit's going to be good because I don't think this is going to change. I thought, oh, yeah, you insert K, they're going to be better. So they lost 12 straight in their last 40 games, which goes like the last season, they've won four games. Once you keep, like, losing like that, it kind of becomes normal, mm. which is why you got to stop it. Now, <laughs> you got to cut it out, which is why you, you get bringing Monty in. And I think that's why where Monty in, because I'm, I'm, I've been wondering about Monty and Jaden Ivey. We talked about that before. And, like, I think Jaden Ivey could be playing more minutes. He could be doing a little more. But I think he has some bad habits that Monty will break him out of. And... You got to do it now, or you're not going to be able to do it, and you're going to end up having to move on from them. I think overall, they they're young. K said the other day they're bad. Like they're said they they 27th in offense, they 21st in defense. So it's like you're really bad on both sides. You you it's not like you're stopping people and you just can't score, or you score but you can't stop people. Right. Like you got to be able to do one or the other. Oh, so cool. I think Detroit just got to look at. They they didn't really go full rebuild when they got the number one pick. I think you gotta just like fully shake up this this roster, um, and start putting. You gotta put people around K. K was the number one pick. K need to be competing for the playoffs by next year. And I was just gonna ask you that because of course you know they've traded some pieces. They've kept some pieces. I know um, 
Sadiq Bay, who I know at one point a lot of people thought he'd be a part of the future. They traded him last year. Um, Isaiah Stewart is still there, but they have made they've made small moves to move, but it hasn't been really like moves to make the team to move the team forward. Do you think that is? And of course, you already said you know they didn't necessarily try to rebuild after getting the number one pick. Like they, you know, Jay Knight was a lottery pick. Killing Hayes was a lottery pick the year before K. Uh, Jalen Duran was a lottery pick. He was a lottery pick along with Jaden Ivey. Asur was a lottery pick this year. Like they have, do have a lot of high lottery picks, but at what point do we start moving the rest of the roster around? Like I feel like Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman were brought in because they were young players and maybe they can fit in and grow with the team. The, um, Joe Harris and Bogdan and Alec Burke, who I think are the three older players on the team, is like, don't, that's supposed to be your shooting. That's supposed to be your veteran mindset. Who you know, all those players have been playoff, been in playoff situations. So you would figure they would be a little more. They would have, you know, they would have, they would help fix the team. But Bogdan has been hurt. The Alec Burke is really hurt. Right, is hurt right now. Joe Harris just isn't the shooter that people thought he was supposed to be. So he really can't even get on the court like that. And he's been hurt too. And so, like I said, who knows when Detroit get out of this? But right now, yeah, it, like. They aren't good on either side of the ball. And when you have a player like Kay, like you said, you need to start figuring out a way to not only just winning games during the regular season, but how we turn these get went, you know, these games won and to compete for the playoffs. And it just don't look like that's where they're at right now. Yeah, Detroit got a long way to go. Um, they got a long way to go. <laughs> nah, yeah, truly. And uh, one more team I want to talk about before we get out of here. I didn't even have anything on them. I just thought, just after watching some runbacks on them, um, the Charlotte Hornets, who, as you know, when we did our top 50 countdown for Off the Ball Network, I did call another ball a serious player because he does unserious things like buy a $70 million grill before the season starts. But he can do that, though. I'm not counting his pockets, but that's some very unserious shit to do right before the season starts. But I'm not going to talk about the Charlotte Hornets record, but Charlotte is better this year than they were last year kind of back into that play-in team that had been looking like LaMelo first couple of years in the league. Uh, man, you have talked about it plenty of times when, you know, just talking to how, you know, you look at this roster and you look at the team around LaMelo, they have been better. Like LaMelo has been better himself last year. I mean, even over the last couple of years, especially this year, but then you draft a player like Mark Williams, who's a great center for LaMelo, you know, pick and roll, lob threat, can defend the rim on the other side. Brandon Miller as a scorer and shooter to be LaMelo's running mate. Y'all can feel how y'all want to feel about it. I'm not even mad about it. But Miles Bridges was 20-7 and seven before he had to miss a whole season because of some personality issues. And like me and you were saying this morning, if you just take that roster and put it with a coach who wants to coach his team as to be the best that they are like you see in Indiana and a front office like a GM who understands that as well, do you really think that's what's the difference in Charlotte You know, this year? over what might have been the past 10 years. Like, all right, we got a roster. We do have players who are NBA talented, but we don't have a coach who can coach them the way they should be coached. Shout out to Steve Clifford. It's not saying he's a bad coach, but he's not going to get the best out of them. And they don't have a front office who's even trying to necessarily make keep making the right roster moves to keep this team how it is. I think Charlotte got to do some shakeup, and they got to go younger in their front office and coaching staff. I, I, like, I get why you brought Clifford in because – you wanted to put instill winning in them. And those coaches like that, they get you right. They make you do the right things. They make you prepare correctly. You need that. 
Which but, he's done. But, yeah, he has done that. Um, but I do think they need to look into the future and a coach that looks at this roster, looks at what's there, and looks at what could be done. Like I said, LaMelo has scored 30 points in seven of his last nine games. He's a nightly triple-double threat. Um, Mark Williams is at the top of the league in field goal percentage. Brandon Miller, he brings a lot to the table with what he could do as a rookie. Um, scoring, and handling the ball defensively. Brandon Miller's a talented player. You insert Miles Bridges back in there. That's 20-8 athlete, a guy that can get his own shot. Um, it's some talent on the roster. But I think it's like they're 14th, they're, they're 14th in offense and 25th uh, in defense. And I feel like their offense could be a little better when you got a player like Melo because it's like they could run their, – their pace is up. They're, they're top 10 in pace. But I feel like they could run a little more when you got Melo – Bridges, Mark Williams is mobile, uh, Miller is mobile, Gordon Hayward can get out and hit those transition threes. They don't got scary Terry right now. Um, but, yeah, I just think you got to get a coach that could be even somebody like P.J. Washington who could do multiple things on the court. Um, he's a solid player overall. You got to get a coach that can get them going offensively because that's just like you, you can, you're going to have to get stops. Mid 25th in scoring uh, isn't good at all. You got to be able to get timely stops and stuff like that. But just how the league is, and with the players that you have, you got to be able to have offenses that can create scoring because you can't just be in the middle. The best teams aren't going to be right there in the middle, honestly. Um, And I feel like when you got a player that's so dynamic like LaMelo is, you shouldn't be in the middle. Like, LaMelo should be leading a top 10 offense, I guess is basically what no, I'm yeah, trying to I'm say. I just going to say, because you did mention him being top 10 at pace. Do you think that come down to the half-court offense now? Because now it's like we aren't finding those, like I say, you have a point guard. Like, I know, I've seen, I don't know if you've seen him. I've seen, you know, somebody say, you know, Tyrese over LaMelo now. But Tyrese and LaMelo basically do the same things on the yeah. court. Do you think it's because the half-court offense isn't as good as it should be? Or, not, my, not as good as it should be, because clearly not, but just the half court sets and the principle in the half court offense isn't allowing them to be a more dynamic half be for them to be a more dynamic offense. Yeah, I think so. And it's like because obviously I don't think they had that go to player like that too. Because I mean, Melo plays in transition and he will play in some isolation some, but I mean a guy you can get a ball to and really just like get a bucket. Because Melo's not even necessarily just playing in pick and rolls like that. Either he's getting his stuff in transition and he's getting his stuff on the pick and switch thing where he get his matchup, but that's not really using his other teammate or whatever. But he's still averaging almost nine assists. And I don't know if I would go – I probably would take Tyrese Halliburton over LaMelo also. But I will say this, and you can go back and listen to anything I've said on LaMelo in the past. I've gained more respect for him this year than I've had. I've always respected the talent. I've always respected the game, but I didn't know if it was another level there. And I'm watching him this year, and I'm like, there's another level to LaMelo. Um but I think you got to put those people around him, and he needs somebody else. Which I think Miles Bridges could help uh, in the half court, but and it could be Brandon Miller, it could be him. But I think they need somebody else in the half court, which they, they, it's, it's getting there. But I think it's gonna start with the coach, and then it might be time to switch from Mitch Kupchak and bring a newer GM in, new president of basketball operation, who also can push that to the to the future also. Somebody that's just going to bring some fresh energy in there because this roster, the team isn't as – they're 5-9. They're in 12th right now. And I do think it, by the end of the year they're going to be competing for the play-in. 
I think. Because LaMelo lived for those moments, too. I, I got to give him that. Like, LaMelo, I saw him win that game against Boston the other night. Um, like, he likes those big moments because he, he wants you to be talking about him. And I respect that. If that's a – you gonna you gotta talk about me because I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit the game when it's shot. We gonna beat y'all and I'm gonna laugh in your face about it and I'm gonna pull out with my grill on tomorrow, which is where the unserious part comes in. That but yeah, you gotta get somebody that really sees what this talent could be, what this team could be, and what Lamelo really could be. Because I mean, you don't just get twenty six, eight and six every day. No, and that's what he's doing this year. And just to take it a step further before we get out of here, we usually, all, when we come to teams like Indiana, Charlotte, those smaller market teams, we always talk about how it's hard for them to get, you know, bigger name or star brand players out there. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's also harder for them to get star brand coaches there as well? Because when you're a team like Charlotte, you either get a veteran coach who is, hey, my job is to teach y'all how to be mid, not not teach you how to be mid, but teach you how to be, be professional basketball yeah. players, teach you how to play on the court, teach you how to move like this, move like that. Whereas you – and when we seen him with Jay Borrego, who was an inexperienced young coach, whereas he had some ideas, he didn't have the experience where I really thought those ideas were implemented and worked to their favor because he did have them playing faster. He did have them kind of pushing the ball, even in half court where they get more open layups and threes and whatnot. But do you think it's hard? Like that's where the problem also starts with those teams like that not being able to either get a young, inexperienced coach who was next up for a head coaching job, or you know you just kind of got to settle for not a last option coach, but it's like we you know he's not right. going to be here to help. He's he not going to be here when we if we start winning though. Exactly, and that's that is the tough part about being in Charlotte. You got to find a gym like how the Pelicans found Willie Green. Yeah. Or it's Rick gonna Carlisle. be, or, like, or, or your Rick Carlisle who who went home, like Indiana's home for him, <laughs> no, so yeah, right. he goes there. But yeah, like when the summertime come and the Seventy Sixers have an open position, the Bucks have an open position. <laughs> you know, these top coaches aren't gonna go to Charlotte over right. going there, even with having an All Star player in Lamelo. Um, so it and Charlotte is a is a dope city. They have solid fans. They have really good fans in Charlotte. Like, Charlotte's a good environment. And not that they have this deep history, but it is some history there. They and have Charlotte's, some players. And no, Charlotte is a basketball city for right. people that don't truly know. Like, they don't. They just bring the Charlotte Hornets back because they wanted a team in Charlotte. Like, no. Right. Charlotte and North Carolina is a basketball place. Exactly. So, but it is tough to get that top, the top level talent, players, executives, and coaches just because people are going to think it is a second-rate sports town. It's Charlotte. It's small market. You're going to have somebody that just, like, they have history there. They ain't got enough history to be. Well, I mean, the person. They got history there, so they want to oh, yeah, be there. Um, but other than that, you got to get people who are like, oh, yeah, you're giving them an opportunity, and they got to really look at it as an opportunity. But if it's like you're trying to pick one of Nick Nurse's coaches, like when he was in Toronto, yeah, you see, they're going to go here or there. So it, you got to find somebody that's like really a gem, and that that makes it a little bit tougher um, because you know it's not going to be huge on the free agency market. Like you probably got to trade for someone, and then once they get there, it's easier to keep someone there once they're there than right. get someone to sign there. But even then, trading for somebody that might not necessarily want to go there. So it's always tough building in that environment. But I think what helps is LaMelo has been committed there. Um, so knowing that you have an all-star that's going to be committed to the team, I think that's a step in the right direction. 
where Charlotte can do some things. I wish, uh, you know, you got Jordan. He sold the team to the new people. I think eventually they're going to put their own people in there. I just hope that that's what they look for, somebody that want to be in Charlotte. Like, as soon as we start winning, I'm not going to leave and go to another team. No, nah, sure, because that also plays a part into it. And nobody exactly. really speaks on with the coaches. And, and with the coaches, and like I said, you already got that in LaMelo. I don't think LaMelo's looking to leave. I think he likes having his own team. He likes being an all-star there. He likes the city being about him. And so you got to find a coach, I think, that can blend in with that also. Nah, for sure. But um, other than that, you got anything else for this episode? Nah, other than that, just as always, uh, appreciate all the supporters. Shout out to Basketball Reference, all of the stats. Most of the stats we gave you came from Basketball Reference. Shout out to NBA.com. Shout out to the Ball Network. They can find us anywhere podcasts are available um, on all podcast streaming platforms. Do your Googles. Just search the Hoopers pod. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all those places. Um, so, yeah, shout out to all the supporters that keeps it going. All right, with that being said, I'm John W. It's Fresh X. It's the Hoopers pod.